0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts
1: Lewis Cleland and Clark Burrell. Today's guest is a current powerlifting athlete and each time we have the honour of having an athlete on the podcast, the interview questions will be based on the mental, emotional, physical and social factors that impact performance levels. The national PE and higher curriculum taught in Scottish schools is shaped around these four factors where pupils must plan, implement and evaluate a personal development programme through a competition. This is why we have Adam Ross joining us today to discuss his training and competition. We will discuss how he collects information on his performance, how he plans his training and how he evaluates it once he has completed it. A little bit of background. Adam is a competitive
0: power lifter and has been training competitively on and off for the past eight years. He was the IPF Scottish junior champion when he was 21 and 22, holding the junior record at the time for bench press, deadlift, and squat. He suffered a major tear in his left hamstring at his final competition and took a long break from the sport to focus on his career. Powerlifting, arguably, is one of the most physically demanding sports for the body as it puts sometimes, in some cases, three times your own body weight through various lifts. Adam re entered the sport early last year for a further two competitions that I'm sure he will get on to tell us about today. I used to work beside Adam in the gym down at New Lanark that I've spoken about before for about three years and I've witnessed firsthand his dedication to the sport, mm-hmm. his training plans, and his crazy eating. We're looking forward to getting an insight into the work that goes into this sport. So before I say any more and keep blabbering on, I think it's time to get the big man on the show. How's it going, mate? Are you well?
2: Yeah, good, man. Good. Good to, see good to have you, you on. Thanks for Great coming on time. today. I know.
0: Last time I seen you was before I went away traveling. You were scranning ten egg omelets and <laughs> smoothies with ten bananas in them. Is it
2: still the case? <laughs> no, no. I've, I've learned a bit since then, that I've been talk about, about nutrition and stuff. I've finally not been an idiot. diet, I'm a kilo of chicken, and a kilo of rice, and try to finish it. Oh, it was insane, man. <laughs> I, that was just that was.
0: Uh, I don't even know what my, you were. I think you were just I've been trying. Been
2: to I went eat. vegan, for, vegan for nine months, eating a kilo uh, apples for lunch. I <laughs> I know that was that when it was
0: just one extreme to the next, just trying to see what worked know. best for well, you. Yeah, I think it was you were just experimenting with loads of different like, loads of different well, things.
2: I'm one of the I'm one of these people I think which I will touch on is a very analytical, so I don't I don't think you can dive into some something without trying it personally yourself. Yep, that's
1: mm. it. I you've got to try it for yourself firsthand. Don't uh, listen to anybody else. No, a hundred percent, man. A lot of the time it's what works for
0: one person doesn't necessarily work for the other person as well so I think that's important what you said there. So before we get started with the questions can you tell us and the people listening just a wee bit about yourself I know I've touched on it there and just a bit about the background of your
2: sport and you within your sport. No cool man so to be honest for me um, how I got into powerlifting and what it meant to me was just a bit of structure I think unlike any, probably sports like you're running stuff, you're constantly trying to chase a goal and end result, track the progress constantly, which I think, which men made me realise I did what I do now as a job with sales. I think that made me realise I was quite an analytical person and goal-focused. Um, how I get into it, to be honest, both was a want through um, need and a bit more discipline and structure. So the first time, I think I was about 18 or 19, and I was going through quite a lot of, kind of family rubbish at the time. I was a bit down. I'd just started a job. Um, I just left uni to be honest decided that it wasn't for me and I just started a job as a lifeguard one of the guys at the time Darren who I'm still friends to this day kind of took me under his wing yeah and kind of showed me and got me into that routine of what a proper training program was how you schedule it how you peak and stuff mm-hmm. and then through that he then I suppose turned me into the Scottish junior champion at the time uh-huh. um, quite like you said it's just simple who can lift the heaviest weight obviously it breaks down to kind of like fighting like your weight class, your to weight ratio and stuff. Um, but again, the second time, I guess, like you said, that like you didn't know, just obviously I've not seen you, but I get back in probably January last year. And again, it was a want through, I needed a bit of structure. I kind of went through a bit of a rough patch, just in life, kind of mid-2018, actually I get diagnosed with anxiety and depression in November. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so I get given the proponel or whatever it's called, the kind of anti-anxiety medication. I just thought, you know what, this isn't what I want to start doing in my life, start putting pills and stuff um so literally at the end of that month i applied for the scottish opens the next year and just kind of dive straight back in and just kept that routine going um mm. but to be honest that was it like you, you kind of hit the nail on the head but when i was a bit younger i was the ipf champion at the time i had like a 180 squat a 155 bench and a 270 deadlift 270 then- deadlift that's what it was because i could
0: remember i could remember yeah. you got that and uh you know, were you no, no training? You were at New Lanark at the time when you when you got that. Yeah, did you yeah. not? That
2: was my. That was the go. last competition I'd done was in New Lanark. Yeah, and then I ended up kind of tearing my hamstring and then found partying and getting out know, and right. kind of fell lost, in love with it.
0: I suppose. For lost it a bit. Focus a wee bit. That's good to hear that you've got your focus snapped by for it. It seems like it's almost like your sacred place going to the gym and a, allows you to let off a bit of steam and it seems like the perfect oh, for you to
2: yeah, definitely, or, definitely. Or anxiety and stuff of, like that as well. It's the kind of number one priority, I think. I mean, you you guys will probably witness it going your runs and all the different kind of more ultra stuff you've done. It just kind of shifts your mindset for one thing and another, and you come out the other end of that feeling a bit better. Well,
0: it's, you can't possibly be thinking of anything else when you've got a hundred and plus kilos on your back. Cause if you do, then yeah. you're you're going to get a sore one. So it's I think it's a perfect cure for for things like anxiety, depression. It just helps you, it gives you a bit of structure, and it allows you to blow off some steam. And it allows you to take your mind off anything that's that's going on. Potentially. Mm-hmm.
1: But I But think it's that's,
2: a very structured that's probably you guys and you're trying to hit different times or different distances, like you're constantly trying to aim for that goal. So it does kinda of take your mindset away if you're anything else, like mm-hmm. you don't worry okay. about don't worry right. about def- That was Yeah.
1: You've got a focus. Gives you a focus, doesn't it? And I think that was really inspiring They were talking about your journey there, um and how open you were. So fair play, big man. Um how you been finding lockdown? Are you missing the Thursday Soul Suites? <laughs> <laughs> remember that back in the day
2: <laughs> oh my god i can't remember, Aye, that so the gyms... <laughs> I can remember we went down
1: one thursday uh. night I so the gyms are closed how you find the lockdown big man how's it going oh, how are you adapted it's,
2: it's been hard i mean to go from on the 20th to March, so my competition get cancelled i was supposed to compete again this year um like a month ago it was supposed to be the scottish opens again And that's all been postponed until July, but I'm in the middle of kind of changing career path again just now, hence why I've moved to Basingstoke rather than Bristol. But on the 28th of March, for example, I squatted 260, benched 180, deadlifted 302.5 in the gym. Basically just, we got told we were shutting down, I was working with David Lloyd at the time, and we had four hours until the gym shut down. So I just held my own trying to mini competition in the gym to see where Mm -hmm. I was, and then now I'm just throwing about slam balls, I've got a couple of kettlebells, I've a skipping note, a weighted vest. So I mean it's not the ideal type of training, but I've quite enjoyed getting a bit fitter. It's a total different mm-hmm. kind of experience and feeling to be honest. I mean I'm up to running four minutes at a time now, which I you know is nothing for you guys, but I think the longest <laughs> I've ever I think the longest I've ever ran before is six minutes doing one of yeah. those wee five K apps. So, as that's as a, so strange, very strange. But so would you a, say you were
1: in your prime there? Would you say you were in your prime just building no, up no, to that I,
2: competition? No, I would say I would have probably been on for about a 280 squat, hopefully a 190 bench about a 310 deadlift. I'd have another probably month and a half until the competition to continue that peak. I, I do things a bit differently when we're talking about the kind of programming side of it. I'll get it, but I probably had another good seven weeks in me mean, that I could have got a bit stronger. Plus, we only found out the gym was shut in four hours before, know what I mean? So there was no kind of there's no mental right. preparation like usually before a competition you take the week off you just get ready for it you're checking your weight in to make sure you come in your weight class so it literally was just a right the gym's shut and I need to do something uh-huh. right because it would just seemed like well, I'd been training well, so since, since January I'd been training since January for that point so I didn't want to let it go to waste because I knew getting locked down, we were going to be shut for the longest period because yep. obviously yep. there's a lot of mass gatherings and gyms so I just didn't want to let it go to waste oh, that's good.
0: that's just so, sure
2: improvising a wee bit so do you reckon it'll go ahead in July then? I think we're looking at August. So I'm not kind of in gym anymore. I'm in recruitment now. Um, but my girlfriend, Jess, she's a sales manager. I'm over at one of the David Lloyd clubs and they're actually the gym side of it's not going to be opening until kind of mid-August. The pools and stuff are going to be open earlier, but the actual gyms are going to be kind of, we look at it looks like kind of August November, unfortunately. Bloody nightmare.
1: Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, what information do you gather your performance prior to creating a training
2: yeah so to be honest I'm a, I'm a bit different i'm probably unlike i'm probably not like a usual kind of powerlifter to be honest obviously you've got the simple thing so if it's aimed at your students and they're working down a kind of strength cycle the best thing that's always kind of led to mind is obviously i'm testing my three one one-rate maxes. how heavy can i bench how heavy can i squat how heavy can i deadlift the only outside factor to that would be you want to stagger them in the gym so you'd maybe do your squat on a monday the deadlift saying, I'd probably put the deadlift at the end of the week, the Friday to let you recover in the bench and the Wednesday. But obviously in a competition, you're doing those lifts back to back with maybe an hour between each lift to actually kind of perform at your max level. So you're never getting a true kind of, I don't kind of know, a true kind of max, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the way, the way I do it very quickly, I mean, if you've got students listening, to it, I tend to do kind of a 25% in my max. So say my, my deadlift's 100 kilo, so i do 25 kilo, which sounds ridiculous, for 10 to 15 reps. That's just to kind of get your body and That kind of neurological path, you moving the bar. The next one, you've got to 50%, do 8 to 10 reps, 60% for 5, 73, and then 80, 90, and then 100% of what your one-rep max you think is going to be for one rep.
0: You're predicted. Obviously, right.
2: as you're getting higher, and I don't know if you watched Thor Johnson just recently pull 501 kilo, at that kind of mm-hmm. level between your 90, your 100. And I wouldn't really recommend going over because, there's been times that I've been in the gym and I think my one rep max just said it was going to be 270 deadlift, but I've got the 300 in me. Mm-hmm. But you never want to take a more than 5% increment when you think you're at that level because I thought they're just going to lead to injury. The other two things that I track coming up to actually doing these are sleep and nutrition. I think sleep is one of the most underrated things, which you guys are probably know as well doing the kind of sleep yep. training you do. So I do wear a wee kind of fake fit bit thing. I track my sleep. I make sure I'm getting my to four hours deep sleep a night. Um, and then just nutrition obviously during lockdown it's been quite hard jess loves bacon so i probably went for <laughs> chicken breast and ten bananas to 10 brownies a day but you just need to make sure all these things are in check and you're just hitting different milestones to lead back to that one big goal it's all about adding up those one yeah, percent yep. to the hundred rather than just keeping high that's interesting Hi. so it's about the process as well as as much as the end goal 100% yeah because the, mm-hmm. the thing about it is and when we get into programming we'll I'll tell you about kind of one of your other questions um it's very much a sport where if you don't so i'll program exactly what i need to hit every session now if i don't hit that that session it's going to be probably one of you kind of three or four factors my sleep you know, my nutrition am i stressed out have i had enough kind of just rest in between sessions Which, i mean i never kind of look at it as i'm not strong enough for that number it's always going to be an outline factor because Numbers and percentages don't lie, in my opinion. If yeah. I'm supposed to have 70% that day and I don't, it's for one of those four reasons.
0: Yeah. I, did, I, was, I thought like, it was really interesting on oh, you, got this. I was saying I was listening to a podcast with and you were talking about how like your your sleep partner and all that and mm-hmm. how much like stats and all that actually come into it now when it's at that level. Like I was listening to one with TJ Dillashaw, the MMA fighter, and he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he was talking about like his heart rate variability and he's got all these different mm-hmm. things to monitor. Like several, numerous different factors that will impact his performance in the gym. So his coach can actually monitor him when he's sleeping, monitor him throughout the day, and he can actually tell based on his mm-hmm. heart rate variability if how much rest he's had, how does he need a rest day that, like today, or can mm-hmm. he train full out? And then they can base it on that. Like it's super clever. Like all the stuff it, that It, can, it can, comes
2: to the point. And I'm not saying it any manner it means I'm an elite level. I'm not saying that. Last mm-hmm. last year, I did get invited to the the Great British Championships and the World Championships because of my total, but because I took on a new job, I couldn't do it, but it gets to the point where I see like, if I'm going to try to train before work and know if I've not had enough sleep, so you Mm. do have to make slight adjustments maybe that day, Uh, but like I said, you're aiming to go to your bed early if you know you're going to be training earlier and go a bit later if you're going to be training later in the day, so it's just all about adapting it and overcoming it, because let's face it, nothing does run smooth in life ever. Mm, That's right. That's quite
1: interesting when you were talking about your, your three exercises, what one would you say in your opinion, takes most energy? Like, now you're doing it, your bench, your deadlift
2: deadlift and squat. 100% deadlift. So so
1: that's the one that takes the most kind of effort?
2: Well, if you look at it even at the elite level, like when Thor was doing his deadlift, his last deadlift, his heavy deadlift out for his session was nearly two weeks prior. And he never done a deadlift again before that 501 kilo deadlift. That's unbelievable. Um, That is unbelievable. You're just using more muscles in your body. I mean, you need to recover. Two weeks to recover from one deadlift. Yeah. So his last deadlift he done was, four, I think it was 470 for a single, I believe. And then he never done another heavy deadlift for two weeks. And then went on do to, to do the, the other one. You don't, but that's you don't, the same uh, thing. I, uh, I'll, yeah. probably, I'll probably do my last heavy deadlift 10 days out from a competition. Yeah. Because I know I need that amount of time to recover. Mm-hmm. It's always the deadlift the next day. I feel as if I've got a flu. Like I wake right. up. And it's not necessarily my muscles. I just feel a bit ill. Yeah, you've just yeah. totally.
0: But it's because you've given it. Like, well, I can remember you've come into work one day and oh, you were. I yeah. burst, burst blood vessels yeah. all up your neck, and that like that is just purely because you're the, the weight that you're lifting. Yeah. And you, you if that's that.
2: if that's happening, then what other things is that doing to your body? Like it's totally sapping you. Well, that's it. I, I think you do have to have that. I don't want to say do or die mentality, but there is that <laughs> kind of aspect that you will push through any barrier. I think when you're in powerlifting, you're a very I would say you're a very relentless person. You have to be. Aye, absolutely. A, I wouldn't say it's a sport you can come in and kind of Half-hearted. Don't want to say dabble in, yeah. But you, you need to kind of give it your full commitment.
0: Oh, aye, 100%. Well, it's it's maximum effort, but isn't no, yeah. it? It's no.
2: Yeah. It's no sin of I'm trying to do more than three one rep. Ma- so if you aye. look at a competition, you get three attempts at that lift. So what you're trying to do is your first one, your opener, right? Now you want to open it, something you can do three reps for. So for me, I'll go in and maybe squat 200, I'll deadlift 250, 270, and I'll maybe bench 160. I know I can do those C reps comfortably with good form to pass the judge's critique, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Your next one, then, what you want to do is you want to do your one rep max. So you want to do about 100%, and then your third attempt, that's your kind of all-out attempt. You'll do that to do a bit more than you thought you could do. A lot of factors plenty of competition as well, like, you've got that bit of nervousness. Having the crowd there is a massive thing to obviously push you on and stuff as well. So yep. you do have those external factors you don't have in a gym.
0: Uh-huh. That's interesting, man. Right. What, so see, once you've gathered data on all your lifts, so you've got your one rep maxes for all three of your lifts, right? Mm-hmm. Do you focus your training equally on all three lifts or do you focus mainly... So say, for example, your deadlift is your strongest one, right? Your bench is maybe second, your squat's your weakest aspect, but you don't see you've been able to improve your squat that much more or whatever. Do you focus more energy into trying to bring that up or would you focus on your deadlift because you can know you, know you can improve that more? Does that make sense? No, no,
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. So basically the way I do it, and Matt, what I would say my off-season is, so I would say my off-season is probably up until about eight weeks or seven weeks out for a competition. Um, I do things a little bit different. I'm a big believer in recovery, like I said, the sleep and the nutrition side of it. So I quite often follow... Brandon Lilly's cube method which is like a variation of the kind of west side method so you've got a repetition day a hypertrophy mm-hmm. day an explosive day and you've got your heavy day
1: mm-hmm. so the way
2: it works is if you imagine a cube for example you've got Monday Wednesday and Friday up the top yeah week one week two and week three down the side uh-huh. so the, the, the Monday you'll do a heavy squat the Wednesday you'll do an explosive bench and the friday you'll do your reputation deadlift right, right. all you do is you move all them along this is dead easy if you write it out so right. the next week you'll do a rep squat a heavy bench right and explosive deadlift so you just kind of you'll never do more than one heavy day a week because the right. big problem in powerlifting is people who start low and they just peak so they'll just get heavier 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 The uh-huh. weight gets heavier the reps get lower and they burn themselves out right so by only having that one heavy day a week and then explode like so explosive for example I'll quite often hook up. You've probably seen it bands to the bench yep. and it's exploding off the chest. So it's just developing uh-huh. that power. You're using about 50%. Uh-huh. And reps, you'll do a variation. So for deadlift, I'll quite often do a deficit deadlift. So I'll right. stand in a platform. The weights will be below it. and you So just it's below your feet. Chain. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so it's just all about doing different variations of that lift as well. And quite often in the off-season, you'll do a lot more accessory work. Right. So, for example, if you look at accessory work for a bench, I'm a big believer in back right? Because you're lying in that bench, you want big lats, you want a big shelf to push that bench away from, if that uh-huh. makes sense. yeah. Um, so you do a lot of back work, some incline chest, a lot of shoulder work, but you wouldn't do that necessarily leading up to a competition because you're just going to mm. be burning, you're to be burning through a lot more energy than you need to. Right. Um, but no, to be honest, I would say I would focus on my weaknesses in an off-season, uh-huh. but on an on-season coming up to the competition. as more you're just hammer on every lift if that makes sense right so you don't <clears> focus <throat> anymore on say so my, my big focus on an off season is always a squat my squat is pathetic to be honest compared to guys in my weight class yeah there's guys in my weight class squatting like 350 nearly 400 kilo my best squat's 260 right
0: I mean, yeah.
2: but my bench and my, my kind of um deadlift is always on par keeps up with them apart uh-huh. from the mutants that can like deadlift 400 kilo and stuff right okay um but yeah, no, you're right. So I'd focus more on the kind... Of, I would say if I put them in order on an off-season, I focus on my squat the most, then i I'd probably do more on my bench than my deadlift. My, be, my deadlift always has that kind of... I've mm-hmm. always got the power off the floor, that kind of explosiveness. But I think that leads back to, like, um, just a thing I wanted to touch on, but the, the podcast you've done with us, like... I believe that hard work's beat talent, but I don't think anything will beat talent if talent works hard. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Aye, that's true. If you've
2: got
0: it if you've got it both then you're, you're but a lot of people really the thing is, I know
2: a lot of people in powerlifting that they're talented and talent, don't work, but they don't work hard. So take it to that next
1: level. It's just like yeah. flipping that quote around isn't it. Mm-hmm. It was quite interesting when you were talking about the what I was thinking about there when you were speaking about your three lifts. It's uh similar to triathlon I used to do the Ironman's. Like my 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 weakness was, was cycling. So in the off season I would focus on my cycling and get out and mm-hmm. the hill reps because running and swimming is probably my better sport, so it's Transferable I
2: suppose, across all different sports, isn't it? 100%. Anything that you've got multiple disciplines in, you know I mean, you're not going to, I mean, you get compares that just deadlift, so they'll just focus on the deadlift. But when you're doing a full power meeting like you, if you're doing a full triathlon and not a brick, you need to be engaged in all three disciplines of the sport. Yep, yep. yep absolutely. It's like, but I
0: think with powerlifting, triathlon running, they're all very individualised sports. Whereas in, the reason I was getting at that question is because in football, like, you hear about people always wanting to to work on their weaknesses all the time, as opposed to focusing on what they are good at, playing a position that they are good at, therefore using that to your advantage. And why not just enhance your strengths even more? Don't worry too much about your weaknesses because there is to like there's different ways you can you can go about it and different
2: philosophies on it. I guess. So I was just wondering yeah. what what yours I was think in the only that. The thing with powerlifting is you're looking to have that big number for every lift. Yep to, to achieve him. the higher total, because that's yeah, yeah. what's going to win. Do you know what I mean? So you could focus more on your debt. Like For example, I could focus on my deadlift, but at this level, am I really going to make a uh, 20 that or 50 much more? kilo gain to make up the no, yeah, exact uh, part uh, to make up what for what I could gain in a weakness? Yeah. Because you're probably yeah. looking at... My next deadlift will probably be 320. It's not going to be like 350 or 400. Um, it's going to be those small increments at that level. So why not boost the thing you could get the most increase in?
0: Yeah, that was... Yeah. Good points. my question perfectly. Right, could you give us, you kind of touched on it there, so just very simplistically for the people listening, give us a Mm breakdown of what a a week's training looks like when you're on the build-up to a
2: competition. So just a typical... No, No, I think I'm a bit different, so everybody's probably got different methods, like I say, so a lot of people will do that. The three lifts and they'll work up to the highest weight, so they'll put the weight higher, drop the reps lower, and they'll lead up to the competition. Mm -hmm. A big thing for me, to be honest, is I focus on more... um, my central nervous system, at that point, you've built the muscle, you're not trying to build muscle anymore. You're, you're trying to get that kind of, you're trying to finish your strength to that yep. level. Um, so a lot of it for me, is kind of a bit different. Now, let me just, I took a couple of screenshots on my phone of the competition that I've done. So the kind of first week, for example, you're kind of testing the water. So, I mean, the first week you're kind of muscular conditioning. So you're getting used to doing those reps at higher levels. So you're maybe doing 192.5, which is 70%. So my 70%, I should be able to do three reps. Right. pushing that to do three sets of six reps
0: uh-huh.
2: and then as a week as the kind of weeks swan you do kind of get into that higher level but a week's worth of training will vary for me just because i do it a bit different but more likely what you would do is you would take the seven weeks and just taper get the volume lower and get the weights higher to put it simple right. that's what you're, that's what you're trying to do i do things a bit different like so week three into the prep I actually try and really burn out my central nervous system uh-huh. just to get the use to your state so what i'll do is i've done so three weeks out from my competition, I've done 200 kilo squat for 12 reps. Um, and then what I've done was I dropped the weight down um, to 195 right. and done 10 sets of three by a minute rest. Right, okay. So I'm just really try to take before the competition my central nervous system to that point of high fatigue. So right. when it comes to the day doing the high weights consecutively, uh-huh. I've already been to that level before. Right. So your body sense. knows what to expect. Yeah. It's like people saying you put salt in a wound. To get your pain threshold higher so that ah, it doesn't feel sore anymore right. so that's kind of the way i look at it mm. and then kind of limiting accessories
0: it yeah, sounds and, a bit
2: complicated
0: not, but, uh, yeah i know but, but it's obviously it's at that level where it's not just a case of going in and doing 10 sets, 10 reps three sets of bicep That's no, an elite level i mean it's it's a lot more to it at that level whereas yeah. at a more beginner level it's just basically physical preparedness trying to get your body
2: again Condition. just probably the, i still think you need to hit volume though so even though i'm not doing the accessories and the more kind of bodybuilding quote-unquote exercises still in week one and week two i'm training five times a week now a usual powerlifter trains three so i mean i do i do three upper body sessions and two lower body sessions i do the same again in week two drop it to four um five and six in the week seven before the competition that's not only do the three right and by accessories do you mean just like st-
0: isolation exercises to just strengthen
2: up exactly that yeah so you'll do things like obviously like overhead pressing for shoulder health right lateral flies like i said a lot of back work because obviously apart from your deadlift you're not you're not doing that hypertrophy at all you're just yeah trying to aim for strength brilliant
1: right so luckily just on nicely the
2: next one you're speaking a bit
1: about strength there and spoke earlier about the strength cycle you went through it um, in running as a runner, we, we we kind of break it down into mobility, endurance, speed, and strength sessions. So in powerlifting, is strength the only aspect of fitness that you like to develop, or is there any other you seem to, to give you an to be, on,
2: to be honest, mate, yeah, it's the kind it's the kind of end goal. I mean, um, what I what I kind of do as well, obviously at that kind of level, you're eating a lot of food, so I suppose I do I do a bit of cardio, but yeah, you're just kind of aiming for strength. That's it. The kind of nah, there's, there's nothing that i would say yes gender i mean during the during your off season you're doing hypertrophy because obviously the more muscle you've got the, den, the denser the muscle the stronger you are going to be and um, without breaking it down to like type one and type two and everything though the, the thing i would say with powerlifting it's probably different i mean i touched on it before the different things that i do for example to help me so rather than the kind of fitness i like other levels of fitness it's more the factors that influence it so i'll do a bit of cardio Kind of maybe morning, which a lot of powerlifters don't do. But for me, that increases my appetite. So I'm going to be able to eat more mm-hmm. during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but mobility work, like you said, yeah, I'll still do foam rolling and stuff. I'll warm up properly. So a lot of powerlifters will just go in, for example. Um, they'll just start squatting. They'll put weight in the bar and start squatting. I do little kettlebell deadlifts, goblet squats. I stretch out with the bands and stuff. Um, but to be honest, yeah, if that's the kind of answer, I mean, I'd looked down other stuff. I'd maybe misinterpreted your question. But I broke it down any more performance. Factors rather than just kind of physical factors.
1: No, I think you're right there. What you say, like stamina, uh, cardio, and uh, flexibility. So Plus the cardio helps recovery. That's part of everything. Mm-hmm. The cardio helps I recovery. Get, I mean, other, blood,
2: wee that, other wee things that I do, just to kind of talk about performance. Um, I try and go a wee ten minute. I don't know if you've seen it, but a ten minute walk after every meal. So every time I'd have a meal, I'd go a ten minute walk. So obviously that just kind of gets the heart pumping a bit, improves digestion, it can help your mood and stuff as well helps insulin yeah. spike so you're not just kind of eating food obviously being a powerlifter a lot of carbohydrates, you can spike your insulin um other things sodium i don't i wanted to ask you guys about this and obviously we're conscious about time but how do you look at sodium when you're doing all your kind of athletic activities and stuff like you're iron man you're running you're swimming what, what's your kind of intake in sodium like what's your kind of view so me, on it? Have, you, have you read into it me and louis
1: uh, we, we we bought a, a Two tubs of uh, electrolytes, basically. Mm-hmm. So you put like two scoops of it in your a bottle of water, like a normal size, regular bottle of water. So when we were doing the three peaks challenge, we took uh, two scoops in each bottle of water. Then mm-hmm. we would have like two or three of them every. What was it, Lewis? Like a day? Wasn't it really? So we yeah, had normal every- water and then ones with sodium in it.
0: Yeah, uh, it was. It was four. It was four bottles. I think it was four bottles of the ones with the sodium in it. When we were doing like the sixty milers, so we'd have one bottle of them every after every 20 miles or something like that but Mm -hmm. I think it's also worth noting that I think that's going to like we didn't have any nutrition coaches and when doing events that are endurance events like that like there's a lot of it's anecdotal like a lot of the experience like people's advice that they give you is um it's totally anecdotal like there's nothing there's no one size fits there's all no for one everything hundred
2: percent. No, we
0: that's what a lot of our big long runs we're just experimenting with things and we're told yeah. that we need to have sodium like so much of it so our muscles don't cramp up when we're
2: yeah obviously on the go at-
0: for that length of time and we're losing so much salt in our body Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, just, yeah, well, we were just it. conscious of it we didn't overdo it but we, we had it in
2: like our energy gels mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. in the balls like, like, when I'm in that kind of competitive mode I'm trying to get 10 to 15 grams of salt a day right um, just so you, you've obviously... got all your but you've got your nutrition like completely mapped out haven't you to a certain extent your macros and all that to a certain extent yeah yeah I've kind of I've stepped away like from what I used to do like you were saying I used to go quite mental and just kind of I've kind of fell into different disciplines, yeah. Uh, so, like, I aim a lot more on kind of better digestion, better kind of partitioning mm-hmm. how my body, like, making sure I'm not bloated and all that, yeah. But that, that's diverse into something else. I kind right, of, no, I maybe I'd mis- come- misunderstand that question.
0: I also think that comes down to maturing within your sport as well and gaining more experience, because when you're younger, I think you you don't really take all these things
2: into consideration, yeah. like your digestion, your sleep. You think you're just invincible. Yeah. I mean, just- when, I, when, I, when I competed originally, the only thing I focused was on protein. Now, I don't know how much fat I could have been consuming. 200 grams of fat a day and about 1,000 grams of carbs. I just used to look at ready meals and like, I'd 20 grams of protein, i eat two of them. Aye. I neglected the other two kind of micronutrients. It was just yeah. kind of, I was mm-hmm. aiming for like 300 grams of protein a day. <laughs> Madness. Right, so talk, talk to us a wee bit about you,
1: um, how you monitor your training to see if you're on track is it just purely down to the stats that you get and the results is that exactly is
2: it... that mate short and simple right. so I, I lay out a kind of seven week spreadsheet that i've kind of formulated and i got a pd to help me formulate so basically what i do is um i could even send you over it if i look at you're more than welcome to obviously show yeah. kind of your students and stuff um and basically what i do is i put in my my peak squat my peak bench my peak deadlift and then that gives me the next seven weeks of training essentially mm-hmm. it'll filter in so say, for example, when I look at that spreadsheet now, it won't say on Monday I'm doing three sets of six at 60%. It'll say I'm doing three sets of six at 192.5 kilo. So I just know right, I need to go so in tells, mind the the and do that number, yeah. Exactly it's all right. mapped out based exactly, on yeah. your... And then, so will you retest your, your
0: three lifts like halfway through your program to see if you're on no, track no, with it? No, or no, no, no so be,
2: I'll, I'll never do a one minute max apart from a competition day. Right, Most okay. that I'll ever do is a double. Or try and do something for two reps because taking it to that one rep max level, it just, it just fatigues you too right. much. Yeah. Aye. And then that, that so could look What's at the same... highest percentage? What's the highest percentage you
1: would do? The, the highest percentage game? you'll do before yeah. a competition
2: is about 90%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 8, 85, 90%. You'll do that for maybe a double, double or a triple. Or what I tend to do is, so say for example, the last week I need to do a 250 kilo deadlift for one rep. I'll just try and do it for as many as I can. to to right, okay. Not two failure, but a, a couple reps shy of. So I think I done two fifty kilo for five or six reps before my last competition. So and then that was it before I done the mm-hmm. three hundred at the competition.
0: Right. All ah, right. Okay. So so like you so you said you don't do you would never do another one rep max in the lead up to a competition no. from the initial one, right? So based on those percentages for each training day, the, the weights that you're working towards that tells you if you're on track,
2: if you're hitting one hundred percent. So yeah, that is your, that is
0: basically your monitoring of your training program. Yeah. When
2: you're doing it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Results. Results. It's a simple spreadsheet that I just follow. And That's I just go in the gym and I hit that number every time I'm training. So you know what you need to do and when yeah, you need to do exactly. it. Brilliant.
0: Um, so as you've probably experienced within your sport, there's several factors that can impact your performance. And I'm curious to find out some mental factors. So the first one I want to speak about is anxiety. Do you, I know you alluded to that earlier on when yeah, yeah. Um, you were going to be introduction, but do you ever experience anxiety before or during a
2: competition? And if so, how does that impact your performance? You know, I'll be completely honest. I never, ever experienced anxiety on the prep for a competition or during a competition. Right. And I think that's a mindset thing because I think once you start getting anxious, you're either not putting the work in. You're not doing those little things that are leading up to the main event. Uh-huh. So you need, you need to try and take that anxiousness out of it. I would say that my anxiety comes from outside factors. So right. To be quite honest, I'm quite bad at shutting out my family. I'm quite bad at shutting out my girlfriend. I've become very one-track focused. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then wee things like that will play more in my mind. Like say, for example, if I have an argument with Jess, I might be thinking about that during my training session. Not that right. it does happen, but I'm saying it's more outside anxiety than anxiety nothing, for the actual sport.
0: to
1: do Sounds as, to... as if that comes from you're, you're prepared really well, so you're confident.
2: Yeah. A to be work, honest, to kind of yourself. touch on a little backstory. Um my, my Scottish competition, I bombed out. Now, bombed out means that you don't attempt to do well, – you don't do any of your three attempts. So I came to deadlift. So basically, I'll be completely honest, I was overconfident. For three months, I went on about how I was going to get triple my, my, my deadlift. I was going to get um, a triple bodyweight deadlift. I was going to hit 300 kilo, put it all over social media. I'd pulled 300 kilo two weeks before the competition. I was overly confident, saying I was going to kill it. Um, and then in the day, I didn't perform. And I actually didn't even – class in the competition so oh. that led to me thinking like have I done the right thing felt like an idiot for putting it. so I could probably say I came for anxiety with that but the big thing with me I'm quite a mentally stubborn person so what I actually did the next morning was um put my name down for the Cornwall champion which is nine hours the other side as you know is Scotland down the very bottom mm-hmm. kept it to myself kept the kind of underground stuck to my training and then ended up winning my weight class at that competition so it was kind of Redemption, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, and getting mm-hmm. the 300 kilo on the platform that I couldn't do. The big anxiety comes from me, guys. To be honest, is not having a go. So see, yep. once the competition is done, it's just a kind of feeling of. Emptiness. What I do now. I, I get a, that. To be All honest, right. mate it's uh, just a kind of like you don't know what you're training for. It sounds really pathetic. You don't know what you're doing with your life, and you just feel quite empty. <laughs> you do, mate. You feel sad. That's. I, mean, bit, I think I like saw. So, it's like, so. It's like I saw. I saw a
1: quote saying. So Candice Bart. this ultra, runner she says I I, uh, I race to train rather than train to race so mm-hmm. it's like she signs up to races and does events so she can be committed to training so that's not right. rather than training to race if you know what it, I mean so it like goes a, back to going, going through a, that process and having something lifestyle. to focus on isn't it that goal mm-hmm.
0: is just there so that you can keep a focus between yep. that your training programme right through and then when it's, w- once it's over you've achieved it but then it's like what's next
1: no, the next
0: day you wake you, up, you, you want to die What's next. Aye, that's it. So it's just trying to get into the lifestyle. Right, so you, you kind of alluded to it, like your, your strategies and how you would, you would manage your anxiety, but do you have any approaches or strategies that you use specifically? Like if you are feeling a little bit anxious, maybe in your training or in, in a
2: competition? I, I think it's just all about kind of self-belief. I think you need to remember why you're doing it. Um, so for, for me, like I said, when I kind of... I failed that Scottish competition. It it was a big thing for me to commit to another competition in three months' time. It was hard knowing that I just failed to kind of jump back on the horse, so to speak. So I would say maybe I did for that competition of quite a bit of anxiety leading up to it. But I think it's just all about self-belief. I knew what I was capable of, and it was just reminding myself of that. Mm -hmm. Whether that be listening to certain podcasts at night, going to sleep. I I get into the routine of listening to like kind of self-motivational, which a lot of people do it these days, podcasts in bed, yeah. even to the point where, I don't mean it's so a bad but you're 10 minutes in the shower every morning, so I'd always put on something in the shower to listen to, because obviously you're going to take it in a bit better then, but hey. I think it was just positive affirmation, just like, as Conor McGregor says, and I know Clark likes a quote and stuff, but thought becomes things, it right. was just convincing myself yeah. every day, I knew what I was doing, I knew why I was doing it, I'd done the 300 kilo before, I know I could do it in the platform this time, um, and it was just, I'd, I'd probably say, been a bit more, self-centered if that makes sense maybe keeping myself to myself but just reminding myself I am doing it
0: yeah I think it's I think it's also interesting about like when you speak about sleep and how you say your anxiety doesn't necessarily come from the competition or preparing for the competition because you know you're well prepared but if you've like experiencing anxiety in other aspects that can impact your sleep which can then also have a knock-on impact on your your training and oh. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it well, can like come I said, from so yeah. many different angles. It's not necessarily
2: competition anxiety. Other things can impact yeah. it like, from, from that. I'm a very analytical person, so I will break down everything. <laughs> um, so if I wake up in the morning and I've only slept for seven hours, instead of trying to aim for eight to ten, or if I look at my watch and I've only had like, three hours deep sleep instead of three and a half to four, the anxiety comes from me, right, I've, I've not had enough rest. Am I going to be able to perform? Mm-hmm. And it's getting that bit of doubt in your mind. But then it's just trying to remember, well, no, I, I know I can do it. I'm, I'm programmed to do it. And I'm going to be able to do it. It's just having the yeah. willpower to kind of push through. On nutrition, like I said, I start to get paranoid if, and to be honest, quite a lot <laughs> why that dip power off. And if I start to look a bit soft and if I gain a bit too much body fat, I start to overthink that that's going to be a bit detrimental and it's going to be harder to then cut the weight and lead up to a complex. Yep. So I would say my anxieties are always future anxieties. Another something in the moment. There's always yep. something that's going to be happening, if that makes sense, uh-huh. further down the line. I look at it more how it's going to anxiously affect my end goal than yep. my performance that day. Uh-huh. Interesting. No, Ross, I love uh, uh, Adam even. Adam
1: Ross, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's got <getting> two first things. <laughs> I, love, I, I, I <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely love what you said there about self-belief. It is so important see when you're trying to achieve a goal. And that, and that self belief does get built from that failure and coming back again. So fair play to you
2: for coming back so quickly and being I able think to a big thing achieve is it well, three months. You, you guys will get this doing it with each other. It's about surrounding yourself with the right people as well. You're always going to end up, what is it they say, you're as good as the five people you surround yourself people. with. So having, right. having people around you that are going to push you and have that motivation. Now, the one thing I will say, I'm wondering, powerlifting is a very lonely sport. It is only you in the gym. Now, you're kind of friends. You can have people helping you. You can have people spotting you. I'm in multiple group chats where people I've met at different competitions. But at the end of the day, the reason why I like powerlifting is because there's nobody else to blame if you don't mm. win, just say, rather than you. It's not yeah. a team effort. It's not like football where a couple of bad guys can let down the team. Mm-hmm. It's you, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, uh, same with running. That's, right, that's it. And I think it's why it's that big thing. Like you say, you probably maybe been doing a run you don't feel up for it that day it's convincing yourself mentally that okay your legs are tired but mentally you know you can push through that blockade absolutely it's it's those those tough days where you need to get out and that's the ones where you feel you get
1: most benefit from it like if you only went out when you felt good you would never really get out very much i know 100 percent. so uh what's your future aspirations then in the fitness powerlifting
2: world Um, to be honest, I'm kind of, I'm in between now. Like I said, when this is all over, I'm going to be kind of starting my new career. So to be honest, my big focus is going to be in that. I'll probably not do another competition this year. I probably will plan to compete next year. The one thing that's in my head and I can't get out of my head, now I've obviously done, so I weigh about kind of 96, 97 kilos just now. My best head lift's 300, so it's three times body weight. Mm -hmm. The, The one thing I probably can't get out of my head and I keep thinking about during lockdown, probably for the lack of having the equipment is I want to do four times. I'd really love to, by the end of the next year, get a 400 kilo deadlift. That's kind of the, going to be my main focus. Four times your thing. body weight, man. That's um, obscene. I don't know. We'll, we'll, well see I, how it I goes. I love that
1: ambition. Love that ambition. No, that's
2: it. Shooting for the stars there with that one. I've got it. The, the big thing that I did, and I think you'll like this as well, Clark, because Lewis has told me the kind of things you do, leading up to a competition and stuff as well, um, my wallpaper and my phone is what I want from my squat, what I want for my deadlift, and what I want from my bench. So I'm seeing it every single day. Right. So that's what I've done now, just to kind of get the heads up. I've literally got 400 kilo deadlift on my phone now, just so I'm looking at it every day. I'm reminded Mm -hmm. of it every day. It's kind of like I think that's
0: one of that. It's like that keeps
2: anxiety out of your head as well, because if you wake up and you've had like a bad sleep or I mean you've had a bad training session, because they do happen. It's not all sunshine and rainbows like I'm making out. Just having Mm -hmm. that constant reminder and being able to see that, because the average person looks at their phone 47 times a day. So if you're looking at your phone just forty-seven it? times and seeing those same numbers in your head, it kind of getting ingrained in your brain, yeah, and then going forward, it just gives you that extra element of confidence. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think
1: I think when, you, when it's an ambitious goal, I mean, as if like you've got the drive to achieve it, and it's just about taking that commitment now, isn't it, and doing the work to get there? We'll see if we get back in the gym. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. Hopefully, it's it might, not it might too long. twenty twenty-two. <laughs> that was class, right, man. So for-
1: Right, so for all the listeners, every week me and Loose always ask the guests or even on if it's just me and Loose talking, a key takeaway message. So we'll go to Adam first. Adam, what would your key takeaway message be for the listeners? How, how, how would you sum so it I've up? So I've done this as anything? a
2: quote, which I think you'll like, and it's by Ross Edgley. Now, you know Ross Edgley that swam around the UK, he was the first man to do a biathlon with a tree <laughs> attached to him. Right, so <laughs> one, <laughs> one of has things, and to be honest, yeah, if just no, I genuinely never. See
0: paying
1: see, that, that, that guy pay you a bit of money? Me and the big
2: man in cahoots. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, I'll give you my back details for that 50 quid.
1: Uh, no um, Cheers for the book. Need-
2: <laughs> <laughs> we back, we
1: back, Andrew.
2: Nah, I mean, one of the big takeaways from his book, and to be honest, I'd wish somebody told me when I was younger now, not to obviously keep bringing it back to myself, but everyone used to tell me at the time, if you could get out of your head, you would be a really good power lifter. But the big thing for me when I was younger, 21, 22, obviously being honest, I was single, I wanted to look good as well. So I mean, I didn't want to be that generic, big fat power lifter. Anytime I'd put on body weight, I'd try and cut it off and obviously <laughs> losing the body weight, you'd lose strength. So the big takeaway, and I loved what Ross Edgley says, was um, treat your body like an instrument, not an ornament. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the kind of, and it's something I wish I'd get taught when I was younger, you, the body will come eventually, I think. Dedicate to your sport. Too many things, and obviously the pressure of social media and Instagram and all the six-packs and take this pill and that protein powder. I think the, yeah. the big takeaway is when you've got a goal in mind, stick to it. And mm-hmm. everything else will fall into place. Uh, he's, he's, bi- Bro, he's, he's big on the, the fundamentals, isn't he? Like, just... Yeah. I mean, like he it. does say this, but if you look at him, he doesn't look like a swimmer. He looks like a bodybuilder. He's jacked. He's, got sick, he's, he's in Aye. mad shape. But I, I just love that. Treat your body like an ornament, not an instrument. Aye. Yeah, sorry, other way about. Treat your body like an instrument, not an ornament. Yeah, no it. That's, it,
1: that's it. Never heard that one. That's a good one, mate. Uh, so, Lewis, key takeaway message?
0: My key takeaway message, in fact, I've got two. My first one is, don't eat 10 banana smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your girlfriend won't appreciate it. No. <laughs> no but all, all um, joking aside I, I thought it was interesting how you said you don't really get competition anxiety but you can your anxiety comes from external factors and you don't get competition anxiety because you know you've put in the work you've put in those small steps those one percent all the time and that's that helps manage that almost in your head and I can I can resonate with that as well because if you know you've put in the work for something and that can be in anything, it can be in if you're going to do a talk or if you're uh, going to deliver a lesson or very much in your sport then if you've put the work in then you know you're you're going to be prepared for it and that eliminates any element of self-doubt and anxieties that you might have so I thought that was excellent.
1: Yep. Yeah. see even the same when we do these podcasts you know, we prepare for them all week you know we've been in constant contact with Adam as well with the questions yeah. so just got to prepare for it, and then
2: it'll all uh-huh. go to plan, hopefully. And um, the rest is preparation comes success.
1: That's it. So, Maki, take message would be, I loved how analytical you are, Adam. You, are. you went into a lot of detail. Um, as a runner, sometimes you can focus on just putting miles in, or... If you're a football player, it's just about turning up and training. You think that's your job. But I like how you, you look into your, the sleep side of things and, and the nutrition. So you it's not just about your actual sport and the, the requirements for that. So I love that um, and how you look into your deep sleep. Just It's just trying to get those 1% gains, as you said. So that would be my key takeaway message. Don't just focus on your sport. Try and be open-minded to the nutrition and the sleep side of things. Cause it's so Brian, important, as you said. Yeah. As a, there's a lot more to it than just
2: than just turning up at a gym or just turning up to a training session and doing it. There's I mean, you probably could if you have got any nutrition. You could get a whole podcast on nutrition and mental. Oh, and nutrition healing.
0: just completely blows my mind. Half the things that there's just a lot of conflicting information, and it's just there's. I think there's people who just get different agendas when it comes to nutrition personally. But mm-hmm.
2: I think that's, I think that's, a, that's another story. Yeah, I think you just need to stick to it. Watch for you in that sense. Don't exactly, anything right. Else. Right. I've, it's, it's too easy. Different. It's too easy to dip in and out certain things. You just need to do what you do and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, thanks very much for
0: coming on today. That was a great insight into powerlifting and obviously your background in the sport and you really gave us a, a, a lot of good information there. And mm. I'll definitely go back when I'm editing it and take bits from it and just be listening yeah, sorry for going off in so many Oh times. no that's 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 good but and that's a, like I said that's a good thing about podcast people listening can rewind it pause it and actually take a time take time to digest and all those little nuggets of information so that was good
1: right adam top man thanks very much for being so open and honest with us here that was a brilliant uh, insight into how your uh, powerlifting training is going on and what you're working towards all the best for the future mate and if anyone can like if everyone sorry can like and reshare this podcast, that would be very much appreciated. We want it to reach as many people as possible. We've got a small cohort of people who are watching it at the minute, but we want it to grow as big as possible to get that information out there. Thanks very much for listening. Take care. See you later.